0: What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. This is a podcast about generational wealth, financial literacy, and business.
1: It's how you react to how it happens to you that really matters. You know, your decision post that action that happened to you is the difference between success and staying in a cycle. To
2: me. Hey, Corey, I got one more quick question about what uh, Mr. Moyer just said. Uh, You know, he told us to move, expand your circle, you know, make good decisions. Uh, What advice would he give to brothers that are kind of scared to intermingle with other races, other socioeconomic groups? Because I know personally, that's how I learned a lot. I started, you know, being friends with the white people, the Hispanics, the Asians, and I learned a lot and I saw what they were doing. Uh, It was actually one female, one mom in third grade. She came from Uptown Newport News and came down to the projects and picked me up. And I went to play at her son's house and we became good friends, you know? And I think I learned so much. Like, do you have any experiences like that you can share and how you grew from it?
1: Absolutely. Why would you limit yourself? That's a great question. Why would you limit yourself (laughs) to any one race or set of people or, it's it's foreign to me. I, I don't understand that. So for those who are doing it, don't be offended. <laughs> you're really limiting your opportunity in life. You know, um, this planet has billions of people on it. Billions, I know that's a big number to understand. You know, I just came back from uh, Europe. You know, We visited over in uh, Italy and went to Greece, and went to Turkey and so forth. And I met different people from all over the place, over there. There's something to be learned from everyone. And the more interaction you have with people, in my view, the better person you're gonna be. So get out there and meet everyone you can. And I know a lot of folks aren't extroverted like myself, I got it, but you're gonna limit your your life's experiences by limiting your circle to a certain group of people, diaspora persons, you know, you're gonna just limit your own life experience. Expand that. And also those folks are getting more as much as you, from you as you're getting from them. You know, we're not here on this planet. God didn't put us here to be alone, first of all you know we're we're humans or like to group like to congregate from all over the globe so i say get out and experience different things see different things i think if folks left the country if their means allowed them to do that see how other folks live in other countries they would really appreciate america and how great you have it here I'll, I'll reiterate that so to answer your question in short i think it's silly to limit yourself regardless of what your beliefs are put all that on the shelf and go listen to other people. And you may find, you may learn something. You may change your mind on something. Don't be afraid of that.
2: Thank you, sir.
3: Dad, um, I remember fondly, you know, I grew up living on military bases for most of my life. And I remember when we moved to Florida and we lived at Patrick, what was Air Force Base then. And then we ended up buying a house and it was like a big deal. Cause it was like our first house that we bought, it was in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing else there. We were literally one of the first houses to be built there. Um, I just want to ask how you and mom saved up to be able to afford a home. Right now, I see quite a few people getting homes in their 20s and having homeownership. I don't see a lot of Black men and women owning homes under, I want to say, 40. Um, And you guys are able to do that at a young age with two kids while you guys are still pursuing your higher education and then ended up saving up some more and we ended up getting a pool built later on. Like, how did you save up for that? And what advice do you have for people that say, I just can't afford that right now?
1: Right. Crystal, I love you. And that's a great question. I I will gladly answer that. So there's a couple parts here, saving money. Like I said, because as a family, your mom and I, my wife and I sat down and discussed, where we wanted to be and how we wanted to live our life. And we decided to do the things that were necessary and they're hard things to achieve those goals. So we made the goal we wanted to provide for our children, you and Maurice, Crystal and Maurice, to make sure they were going to be on a better footing than we were. So part of that, some of those goals was owning a home, which I never owned a home in my life, lived with my my family when I was growing up, never owned a home in their life, and uh, that was new to me, so it was a goal, and I looked it up. I, I researched things. What did I need to get? You know, they wanted 3% down for one program. They wanted 5% down for another program, 20% for conventional loan program. There was all these things I learned, right? And I, I actually looked it up. I mean, I went to the library. I read things. I watched TV shows, you know, and I'm not even going to endorse any shows, but I watch them all. I listen to radio programs and just, I can clean information from anybody who's offering information. Some of it's not good, but you know what? That's why you you research it. Some of it was great. And that's why you listen to everything, consume as much as you can. In doing so, we decided we needed at least at the time we bought that house 10%. Now I had another feather in my cap because I was a military guy. And this is where I come to employment programs, understanding your benefits and your employer. The military gave me an opportunity through a GI Bill program or actually through a, uh, a, a program where we can purchase homes, not the GI Bill. The GI Bill actually gives you your, uh, your college paid for, but, but the home purchasing program allows you to go ahead as a government, as a uh, military person and purchase a home under the VA loan program with nothing down, but you still have to be able to afford that house. So in order to buy the house that we bought, Crystal, and you pointed it out, we saved money because the VA would only give us a certain amount, and we paid cash the additional amount on top of that to get the house we wanted versus the house that the VA will will basically back the loan on. So that's what we did. We planned it out. We thought about it. It was part of our life's goals uh, in providing for my daughter and my son. And the pool, as she pointed out, we did have money set aside because we had 10% that we used to basically upgrade the house we wanted. And then we had funding that we put aside and we saved because I researched how much a pool costs. We paid for the pool in cash to so have them put that pool in so that the kids could enjoy living there the house. So that's what we did. It was a plan. It was, it was deliberate, it was thought out. It took some sacrifice to save and uh, at the right time, because you know we lived on base for a while. We were saving money. Then we went on and bought the house. And it turned out to be a great buy because we bought, like you said, a, a new development where the prices were cheaper. That was also by design and eventually they built up that whole area. And when we moved out of there, we ended up selling the house for twice as much. That was not intentional. That was just the opportunity of when we were selling the house that we had. So it worked out all
0: around. So, Mr. Moyer, for the brothers out there, because I hear brothers all the time, and I have no brothers live in a hood in Orlando. Drive an 850 Benz, Balenciaga, Gucci, all that out. I'm like, man, why don't you buy a house? Man, I don't have no time for that. What if a pipe burst? I don't have 20, 30K. I'm like, what you do, You, your car, all the things, all the assets you have. And as my uh, financial advisor who's on this line says, if it goes on your ass, it's not an asset. So I would just love for you to <laughs> touch on the brothers in the hood that you have money, I mean, Louis bags full of money, but they don't want to buy anything. What do you have to say to them?
1: There's two pieces here, I, I think. I call, I, I, have a, I have a term for this it's called living poor, really. I think there's a lot of folks who live in poor. There's two pieces. I'm going to start with this. There's folks who buy above their means, they're spending all their money on looking good. Hey, look at me, check me out. And they, like you said, they live in a place that's probably not as safe. And I'll just use that term. As they could be living in, and they're not building a generational wealth asset that they can hand on to their kid, hand over to their kids in, in the future, and, and build a foundation for generations to keep growing above where they are. So that's the first one. The second one is the folks who do make a lot of money, however they mismanage what they have. So they're still living poor. Um, they're buying things with all their money. Hint, hint. Crystal bought all these clothes on her first job, or her first paycheck. <laughs> and <laughs> didn't have any money to take home for all the work she did. Actually, I gave her money to buy clothes. So living poor, and they're not able to afford to do the things like you are mentioning, buy a house, save for the kids' education, or just having a rainy day fund. If your pipe was to burst, and you need to pay $1,000 to have someone come in and fix it, that you can do that. And that's sad. And I, and I know a lot of people, um, I know people who make well over 200 grand a year and they live paycheck to paycheck. If they didn't get one paycheck, the house of cards fall down on them. Then I know folks who have three kids live in, a, you know, kind of a what we call a manufactured house, and they make, you know, forty thousand a year, but they're providing a life for their kids, sustainable life, and they're saving money. And I can't understand, you know, this these individuals who are living poor, you know, above their means, whatever it may be, they're well paid folks, well-educated folks, too, because education does not equate to wisdom, okay, for decision-making. They're just making the, you know, the wrong decisions. And the folks who may be making a lot less, but they're living as good, you know what I mean, if you will, they don't understand how these folks could be living that way. So anyway, long story short, I think it's foolish for folks to do that. If you want to look good, that's great but also save for the future of your family, save for the future of your your own self. When you become unable to work in life, you got to be thinking about that because there's going to be a lot of financial need when you finally get into that retirement age that people don't think about when they're 25. And that's fine, but I would tell your listeners to start thinking about it when you're 25 because that's when you should be putting money away.
0: Mm, Great information. And you know, when a bear market it's a lot of brothers I know make great money, say, man, you know what? The stock market is legalized gambling. I don't believe in it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's foolish.
1: That's foolish advice. You know, no offense. I mean, we all have opinions, it's America, right? So I have my opinion, they have theirs. However, we'll see how they fare out in 30 years and so forth. I say there's never a bad time to put money into the stock market. There's never a bad time. Because if you look at, just look at the data, and it's all on the internet. This, this goes to this point I'm talking about. We're at a stage of information right now where everything you need to know is at your fingertips. You can actually get online, type in a search on Google, and a gazillion websites will come up. And then you can evaluate the validity you know, of that data. And you're in the news business, so you know how uh, you have to go and validate data. And then you can make an assessment, an informed decision based on the information you get. You can go to the library. If you don't have a computer, you can go to the library. They have computers you can use to do it. That book's on the shelf. You can actually pull off the shelf. A lot of libraries are online. You can look up so much things. So if you look up the data from the stock market from the 60s to now, you'll see that the stock market has always increased. There's never a bad time to put money in there. Now, if you're at my age or older, you have to start thinking about your what we call the time horizon of when you're going to retire, when you're going to need that money. Okay. So the risk that you're going to take when you put this money in, so the funds that you invest in and so forth may differ than if you're 25. If I'm 25 and I've got 40 years, 45 years till I retire, I'm going to put in the highest risks where I can make the most amount of gain if the stock market goes up, but also it'll go down as much if it goes down, right? But I'm not going to take that money out anytime soon. So I'm okay. But if you're older, 60, and you're going to be retiring soon, you want to put your money in a low-risk investment vehicle, where if the stock market does go down, you're not going to lose as much. But also, if it goes up, you continue to build on your funds. So that's what I think about the stock market. And the other thing to this, Corey, just so I can make a note, is never put money in the stock market that you think you're going to need in the next six months. That's what savings is for. So you got to take money and put in the stock market for investment over the long term and some money you're going to need for emergencies. And I, I tell everyone this, council folks on this, I believe in at least six months of your monthly expenditures saved eventually. Not everybody can start out like that. So what does it take to operate your house for six months? If you didn't have a job for six months, that's what you should have in savings. Once you get that, everything else should be going an investment. Because if you want to make a move, like I've been telling everybody about, and you have six months of expenses, you could do anything. I can say, you know, I don't really like doing this job. I'm going to go explore something somewhere else. And I can do that. I have the freedom because I have the savings to help me along the way. So never a bad time. Do it. And do as much as you can afford to do.
4: I have a question. Uh, First off, I want to say thank you for your time and your financial wisdom and teaching us about assets and stock market and financial literacy. I think that's important. So thank you for that. I have a question um, in regards to your, like your personal uh, friends and inner circles and business connections and financial investments. What are your beliefs and thoughts? Or what are you hearing about um, digital currency, Bitcoin, things of that nature? Can you, can you give us any advice on what you've been hearing possibly?
1: So I'll give you my personal advice, which is worth, I guess, as much as a, A digital currency, right? So I don't like it because I don't know a lot about it. And I don't think it's established enough. I don't think it's regulated enough. And I don't think that the federal government has fully embraced it. So that's my whole take on it. So I don't use it. However, I have friends who do it and that's fine for them. And they have uh, some speculation about it. I'm not going to talk about a specific type of digital currency because I'm not promoting anything, but I would say, look at the risk involved with it and think about your risk with that same money somewhere else and which one suits your risk tolerance. So for me, I'm risk adverse, really. So I'd rather put my money into something more um, established like the stock market versus, you know, digital currency.
0: And Joe, man, I want to salute you, man. It's Black Men Sundays. We salute our brothers on here. This brother has baby number two on the way coming in a few months. We just found out about it. I was privileged to go to his son's first birthday party. I mean, they did it big, man. I'm talking, they had the slides. They had the blow-ups. They had the birthday cake. They had the fondue cakes. I'm like, damn, I don't know too many one-year-olds get fondue on their birthday. So I salute you, Joe. Congratulations to you and Maya, man. 100, my brother.
4: Thank you much, love, for the support. Thank you, Corey.
0: Yeah, definitely. And as we transition, Mr. Moria, man, I'm, I can't say I'm tired. But I'm sick and tired, bro. I'm tired of brothers coming up to me. Man, they ain't giving me no job. The white man ain't giving me no job. We keeping it real on Black Men Sundays. I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired. How do you feel about that, man?
1: Yeah. So that's a great, great question, Corey. Uh, I would tell you this. Keeping it real. If these folks would just look in the mirror, they'll find out what the problem is. Um, Michael Jackson's song, right? The Man in the Mirror to make a better way. And I'm gonna use that as a, as a analogy there. Most of our problems in our country right now are us. Just put it bluntly. I'm not saying all, I've got it, man. I know there's things going on in the country that may be counter to you know, a quick success. So what we need to do is we need to figure out what can we change in ourselves to get to where we wanna be. So I would tell this to folks who have excuses. What did you learn from the last experience that you had trying to obtain the job that you wanted? They'll tell you, everybody will tell you, all you gotta do is ask, don't get mad. You know, it's competition out there. You either in it to win it or you are just in it, you know? (laughs) And if you're not competing, doing the things that you need to do to be the top candidate on whatever the opportunity is, then you're doing yourself an injustice. Why are you put in for it? Why waste your time? You're wasting their time too. So you need to look at yourself, make an assessment, and ask questions about, why didn't I get it? Ask the hiring official. They'll tell you. And listen. You know, you got to really listen. you got to shut up, shut out all the things that are going on in your head that might be telling you, oh, woe is me, you know, I'm a victim, and say, hey, how can I be a better candidate on the next opportunity that comes up? And you'll find yourself more successful. That would be my interpretation of that.
2: Hey, this is Commissioner Scott, uh, one more time from Atlanta. I got a real question because uh, we talk about kids looking fresh in the hood, having the new kicks. I remember being a kid, you know, on welfare, living in the projects. But my mom took a sense of pride in making sure that, you know, we look the part of looking good and felt good when we went to school, right? But by the time I graduated high school, you know, I was a pretty smart kid. I had scholarship offers that A, parents didn't sign for me to be able to take advantage of the scholarship and B, they didn't have any money saved up at all. It wasn't like I was just, one day I woke up and I was pretty good in school, right? So Mr. Moore, like, do you have any direct advice for these maybe single moms uh, that may be in these environments of uh, if they don't buy those Jordans for that kid, right? What should they be buying? Like a 529 right. plan or anything like that?
1: Oh, great question. Um. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'll be honest with you. Everybody does what they're doing. Everybody has a different view of their dream, right? Of what life should be for them. However, I know that making prudent decisions with your money will enhance the ability for your family to uh, achieve their goals. The persons that are spending money, first of all, I'm going to break it down, on things that aren't necessary, need to evaluate how to save. I want my kids to look good too, but there's other ways to do that besides having the name, brand. You know the latest Jordans and all that kind of stuff, or the uh, Louis B bag or whatever it is that people think they need to have. Buy what you need, and save what you can. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Buy what you need and save what you can. I walked through a mall recently, and I was talking with my wife, and I'm in a position I can buy what I work, whatever I want, right? But I walk in a mall, this big, nice, beautiful mall. It's beautiful. We, I think I ate a pretzel, some pretzel bites, and I got a, a lemonade. And we were in there for about an hour, and I didn't buy a darn thing. And I talked to my wife on the way out. I saw a lot of nice stuff in there. I said, There's nothing there I need. <laughs> There's some things there I wanted, but I made a decision i didn't need it. And the reason I said that is because the money that I have could be anything that I want it to be within the value of that money. But once I buy the thing, it becomes hard that thing. Now, if it's an asset, you know, property, you know, stocks, those things. I can get value out of that right in the future. But most of the time we're not buying assets, we're buying shoes, we're buying hats, you know, we're buying the latest clothing gear, whatever it is, you know. And eventually that basically deteriorates. It's not an asset, it goes away and it's spent. It's that money's gone now forever for that thing. So that's my philosophy that I try to tell these folks to to just buy. I'm not saying live where your kids don't look good. My, I think my kids look good. Now I've had bought some questionable things for my kids and Crystal will tell you <laughs> that she's like, oh my God, dad, I can't believe you bought this, right? Well, my son specifically will tell you too. And I know I'm guilty of that, but that was decisions, conscious decisions I was making at the time to try to say, because I knew I was gonna have to pay for their college. I knew I was gonna have to pay for them to play football. I knew I was gonna have to play for cheer, pay for cheerleading and trust me, all those things cost money. But those were the things I thought that were better for the for the kids in their growth and creating opportunities than the clothing, right? Even the gear to do those sporty things. Now, in your case for college, that's a lot. But you wanna learn, and this is the other part, about how to help your kids take advantage of those opportunities, do the research on what's required. Uh, in my case, I didn't know if I was even able to go to college when I graduated high school. I had no parent involvement in my school, none of that stuff. Um, I always tell people I was lucky to graduate. Now, I was not a dumb guy. I was a smart guy in school. I got great grades in the school, the classes I attended. (laughs) So so I'm going to say that because I know there were some times I did attend some classes and I did the minimum that I need to do to graduate. But imagine if I had the parental support to do all the classes I was supposed to do I might have gotten a scholarship or research the parental support to research colleges. I might have gone to college instead of going into the Air Force and those kind of things. I'm not going to say that would have made things better I'm just saying those opportunities weren't available to me because I didn't have the support from the parents so parents need to learn how to navigate scholarships because you could have got a scholarship with those GPA you had um they also think about it's going to cost money to get into programs that their kids may get into to give them a better future a better opportunity in school so that's
0: my two cents on that yes sir imagine to me and you had a father like Lou, bro (laughs) you're too kind Corey. i appreciate you (laughs) amen
2: i mean that's really we Corey, and i talk about that a lot i think we both were fortunate enough to have uh you know i'll say stepfather but fathers coming to our lives that took on those responsibilities and roles. But a lot of people aren't really fortunate to have that, you know? So what I'm getting out of this is that, okay, I don't have any kids right now, but I'm getting a better idea of what I can be like by just listening to your experiences. And, you know, we both from similar environments too. So I kind of see what I can become. Thanks again, sir.
1: Oh, no worries. I, my pleasure. And I appreciate the compliment. Thank you very much.
2: Yes, sir.
4: And this is Joseph. I, I agree with what you said. But also, I, I got to think, too, we, we got to think about in our culture, right, as far as, you know, um, let's say African-American boys, for instance, going through K-12. So I went to predominantly Black K-12, elementary, middle, and high. So um, if, if you didn't, I'm not saying, I'm just saying in general, if you didn't wear a certain shoe brand or a certain pair of jeans, a certain, certain shirt, you would get picked on or today's culture bullied, right? So that can have an impact psychologically on the student. Um that is trying to get, get good grades or fit in at school and, and feel normal. So I think also that needs to be taken into consideration. Commissioner Scott, when you're trying to develop an initiative and things like that, so it, it has to change the entire culture, you know, because... So then the mom comes home and sees the kid's crying and say, hey, why are you crying, Billy? Um, mom, they're picking on me because of my haircut, because of, I don't have any swag. I'm not, saying it's, I'm not saying it's correct. I'm just saying this is a component that the kid goes through as well to try to fit in and for, kind of forces the mom or makes the mom believe they have to adapt and buy buy into that culture as well
1: that is actually a very good good uh statement and point i i agree with you um again you know i think parents just need to be involved with the uh school i, I think that's critical crystal will tell you i was at their high school all the time <laughs> volunteer that nature and uh they need to be involved with the kid as well to uh build that mental strength, right? That's required to navigate those bullies and those bully environments that you're talking about. I agree. But again, I don't think you should buy things that make your kid look goofy, right? (laughs) I think that you buy what you need and what you can afford and then help your kids understand that this is what we're doing. Get them involved in it because there's other things you can do too, to make sure they look nice and have appropriate gear that they need to be accepted in school, and also how to deal with those bullies, man. you know that, That's a skill that we need to work on across the board uh, in our community. And it starts at the house, right? Because they look at us and they watch us all day. And they learn from us bad and good stuff. Nobody's perfect. But you got to have that conversation with the kids, especially when they get old enough to realize that uh, difference between, like you were saying, somebody has Jordans and I have Shaq's you know, why? And just explain it, you know, talk to them, include them in on the decision to help them decide what to buy within the money you have. Like I mentioned before, you can buy one of these and I've done this with my kids before, or you get three of these, you pick, you know, <laughs> and they'll help you out. You'll, you'll be surprised what they can learn from that.
4: You're right. I definitely agree. And I think in the long term, it'll help benefit both the parent and the child cuz you know some some parents go into financial ruin because the, you know they're trying to get the kid the new PlayStation or the new Jordan and stuff like that and it it can put them in a bad credit score bind and run up all the credit cards and credit line history and they can't afford that house can't even move the kid out of that neighborhood because of that situation so um it h- hinders the the parent from being able to afford them to get into a nice school and better education so i, I definitely agree with everything you said so yes
1: i'm, I'm going to One thing on that, that you just said credit cards, you know, that's the worst debt you can ever have. And I tell this to folks all the time, credit card is great for making reservations and paying for stuff online and all that kind of stuff. It's great. It's a great tool, but it's a tool. It's not money. (laughs) This is where I think people get confused. You're supposed to have money to back whatever you're using that tool for to pay for it before the creditor charges you interest on what you're buying. And I think people get credit cards, and I, I just have to say this because it's really pet peeve of mine. I think credit cards and creditors will make it easy for you to get those credit cards because they want to get you into a cycle where you owe them so much money, you cannot pay them back all of it. And now they're making money off of you on your balance. In other words, it's the reverse of investing in a stock market Whereas somebody who owns that credit card company, the the actual uh, principal folks who get their dividends and, and make money off of that are making money off of you every month now. And in some people's cases, months, years, and it's just, it restricts your freedom. It restricts your cash flow. It's just so much negative. I can tell you about it. I use credit card every day all over the place, but I also pay my credit card every month. They pay me to use it. They pay me a percentage of what I put on there every month. And quite frankly, the money they pay me pays for vacations for me every year. That's how much they pay me back because I use it wherever I can. It's a tool. If you can use it properly, you can reap the benefits of the tool. But 99% of the folks don't use the tool properly. They use it as money because they want something now, PlayStation, whatever it is. And I understand it. You want to get your kids things that they want. You want them to feel good. And you want to feel good for them, too. However, in the long term, you're really hurting the kids and you're hurting yourself because you're limiting your opportunities in the future by paying this extra money that you don't need to be paying and limiting your cash flow. So credit cards, I could talk a whole hour about those. The worst debt you can ever have is credit balancing credit card. So for all the folks who are out there doing it, if you're already in debt, work on getting out of it. You know, you can't change the past, it's already there. However, if you're thinking about using a credit card to buy something, that you can't afford because that's usually what it comes down to because you don't have the money to back it up to pay it off at the end of the month. Don't buy it. Wait. It's a great tool to in emergencies. You have that credit card in hand. Something happens. Like I said before, most people don't have 500 bucks for a $500 emergency. That may happen in a month because they don't have a savings. That credit card can get you through that emergency if you need to, if your car breaks down or so forth. So That's my take on credit cards. I could talk an hour about it. Please just let me know if you have any more questions about credit cards. Credit score, we're we're all to, to creditors we're just a number. It's it's what it is, and and the quicker folks realize that, the better off they'll be in life. And the higher your credit score, as you're mentioning, the cheaper you can borrow money for. Okay, so let's just put that in a real realness right now. The lower your credit score, because they'll loan you money, the more that it costs you to borrow that money. They're report inversely proportion. Right. So how do you build that credit score? Most people don't know it's an enigma to them because they're not doing the research. They're not checking it. They're just buying stuff. Well, yeah, sign me for that credit card and they get it and they get 29%. They go, Oh, I got a credit card. Or they go to buy a house and um, they're getting the highest interest rate for the loan. And they're asked to put down so much. So people need to think everything you do where you're using credit is going to be, figured into your credit score, the number that lenders are gonna use to determine whether you're a viable candidate for them to give you money and how much they're gonna charge you for that money. So credit cards is one of those components. And the way they do that is they look at your payment history, how long you've had the cards, you have how much you owe on the card versus how much you have in credit on the card. So, So debt to credit ratio on those cards. They're going to take those things into account if you've been late on a credit card and how new, if you're getting multiple, how many you got. So a rule of thumb I always say is two is good, three is okay, anything more than that is out of control, okay, for credit cards, because that's a number that they're using to calculate the risk they're taking giving you credit. Then there's your mortgage. If you have a mortgage, they're looking at that, how much you own your house, how much you pay, how much you're paying a month, because you got to pay that house every month. They're looking at that. They're looking at any other financial decisions you're making that's reportable to credit agencies as well, some of it being medical bills and that nature. And all that's going to be calculated to your credit score. The highest, I believe, is 850 for, uh for house credit. I think it's like 900 for auto credit. Don't quote me on it. Do research, please. Get out there and look it up on the internet. I will challenge all the listeners to do that. Do not take anything that I'm saying or anybody else saying as a fact, unless you do your own research. But the higher your score, the more likely they're going to give you the money or the loan and the cheaper that they'll give you that money for. And you have to do your research to make sure you're getting the cheapest money that you can get when you apply for credit. So credit cards, big thing. Credit score for buying a house, big thing. Remember, when you're borrowing money, you're just a number to those creditors out there.
2: I got a question for Mr. Moyer. Uh, so I feel I don't have any kids right now, but I'm starting to notice some uh, really good scholars within my family, and they're they tiny. I'm talking like kindergarten, first, third, fourth, fifth grade, right? So besides the 529 plan, I'm trying to see what is it that I could do for the future for them because, you know, I'm going to keep you honest. They're daddies. They ain't really hitting on nothing. Their mama being to other stuff. And it's like, I find myself as the one person in the family looking out for the future for these kids because they're really bright. You know what I'm saying? And my uncles didn't do that for me. So like Corey was talking about. So is there anything else you think I, I probably could do or implement Um, even though they're not my, ch- my children?
1: Yeah, there's plenty you can do. There's so many. I, I heard you mentioned 529. That's awesome. Um, But you can do some things personally that uh, may benefit them, and you still have control over it. Um, I've always told my son and my daughter, when they have kids, I'm probably going to take $5,000 and throw it to a stock market for them right away. By the time they need it, it'd be 20 years, right? So who knows what that's going to be, depending on what stocks that's vested in, right? I mean, think about if you had bought Amazon in 1990, (laughs) or Microsoft in 1990, or apple in 1990 or tesla in 2000 i mean just think about it. all the money you would have right now so so there's opportunity there and if you can afford to do that then i say take the opportunity you can also do some sort of uh crowdsourcing within the family you know i i believe in families getting together and uh helping each other out in some ways we can do that it's not by giving you what you need like right? like hey i need 20 dollars here that's not what i'm talking about what i'm talking about is We have these parties that were mentioned earlier about the uh, baby shower you know babies being born and stuff so you have these big parties and stuff hey why don't everybody bring 25 bucks and put in this bucket you know family members who are uh, there and we put this into a stock for the kid and by the time that kid's 20 years old that stock might be worth a million bucks who knows i don't know you know the sky's not the limit right anything could happen but we got to crowdsource and pool within our family to make some things happen and it's not a lot of money if you think about it so if you have 30 people show up to a party and everybody bought 50 bucks i mean you're talking some money right there to get a little stock market going right or if everybody bought 25 bucks you're still talking a few hundred dollars i mean you, you've got it going on so i think there's always opportunity i just think that we don't think enough on it and we and if we do we're not taking action on it you know for my for my grandkids I'm going to put money as soon as they're born into a stock market for them. And that's going to be theirs. I mean, it's, it's going to grow probably, in my mind, exponentially over 20 years. And when they go to college or graduate college, they're going to have some money to go buy a house hopefully. Or maybe they'll need that for college. I don't know. Depends on how my kids manage their resources for the kids. So I plan on making sure that there's going to be some generational wealth transition to grandkids so i think we can all do that in our own means and it doesn't take much to start 20 bucks think about it how many of us gone to the movies in the last couple of months 20 bucks doesn't get you a lot but we can go see a movie and if you want popcorn (laughs) now you're talking 30 40 bucks so the, the the potential's there we're just not tapping into it we haven't made it a priority we haven't made the decision the conscious decision to take that and say, you know, I'm going to forego seeing uh, whatever movie it is, and I'm going to put that into this bucket for, you know, this young man or this young lady to ensure their future is going to be okay. Now, you can't be the only one, right? Because the way that model would work is you would get multiple family members to do it. I know some of our family members that do that right now. So their young ones are going to be quite well taken care of.
2: i appreciate that a lot i love that model and uh i'm going to get it implemented so thanks again perfect thank you what's wrong with the black community
1: right so I'm, i'm not going to focus on one specific diaspora like black community what i'm going to focus on is drive we live in the richest country in the world the richest country. anything is possible here people are creating businesses out of their garage from nothing and they're billionaires if you have ideas If you have the drive, if you take action, make a plan and take action on it, you will succeed. Decide what you want. Get the education you need if you need education. Get the experience you need if you need experience. There's free college online. Free. Major colleges offer training programs, classes online for free. If you don't have a computer, go to the library. There's plenty of computers to the library. Library is public. They'll let you use it. Your drive will dictate your future. The way you prepare yourself will dictate your future. Is it easy? No, nobody's gonna give you anything, man. Nobody's coming to save you. You have to get out, you have to improve yourself. You have to look in the mirror and say, what do I wanna do? Where do I wanna be? Put a plan in place. Every action you make should be towards that plan. There's gonna be some impediments. There's gonna be some challenges. But remember what I told you earlier, the challenge doesn't define you it's how you react
0: to it that defines you mr lou my man eric player his daughter is a mathematician wow married married to my financial advisor nice but the question for both of you brothers and you know whoever answers first it don't matter but what's the secret sauce to raising successful children
5: okay i'm gonna go first i suppose um since I got that pause, as I mentioned before. Again, my name is Eric. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama, which is listed as the number one city to live in in the United States. I you know had to put that plug in real quick.
0: Um, oh, come on. Bro. The Not secret again, sauce. Bro. Not again,
5: bro. Damn. <laughs> hey, I got to do that. You know, hey, that's an honor. You know, to say, hey, you know, we, we number one. But anyway, <clears throat> the thing I would say that it's it's not really a secret sauce. It's just you have to live your life by example, I would say, because kids will watch you the good that you do, and they pick up the bad that you may do. You know, we have kids that are now. My thing was I know with my Nita, who is I could say is is out of because we had three. And she was pretty much, I could say, the closest that kind of stayed under my belt. Um, She would watch me at the time. I used to work two, sometimes three jobs, just so um, that they can have. And she always saw the hustle that I had. And she used to think, you know, we used to go, go out to eat a lot. We used to go on vacations, and I would make sure they had you know, just about anything they wanted. You know, televisions in their house, in their room, TVs, telephones, clothes, whatever they want, they they pretty much had. And Juanita came to me one day and said, "You know what? Are we rich?" I'm like, "No, we're not rich. I just I work hard," you know. And she saw what it took to have anything, um because a lot of times she would see, because um, Juanita, you know, she worked ever since she was. I think it was late like age, 15, 16 years old. She worked fast food. She worked different odd jobs. She bought her own. She always did her own thing because she told me that's what I did. I know even a time when having a cell phone, she got her own cell phone. When she was 16, 17 years old, paid for her own bill. But she's always been a very responsible person. And I taught her a lot of different things about being, being a responsible person and 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 doing the things that needed to be um, independent. Um, I even taught her how to change a tire on the car and, and other mechanical stuff and telling her that, hey, hopefully you would never, ever, ever have to do that because there would be either a man or some kind of um, situation where you don't have to get your hands dirty. But just in case, if you do and you're by yourself, at least you know how to do it. You know, you don't want to get your hands dirty, but at least you don't have to do it. So now, and when I taught her how to drive, I taught, I didn't teach her the conventional way and automatic. I taught her i drive on five-speed just so that I'm like, hey, who knows if you running from somebody and you getting chased and you get into a car that, you know, that's a five-speed, at least you know how to drive. So again, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a secret sauce. It's just, you just have to lead and teach by example. And then you always want your kids to go further than where you are because, and and I'm pretty sure that's the same thing they would want for their kids to go further than what they did or doing. So that's my take on
0: what it would take. Mr. Herman, what's your intake on that?
5: Well, I I concur
1: with everything that was just spoken about. I I think it's excellent advice. Um, Kids don't come with manuals, ownership manuals. So everyone's going to be different every household situation is different. So there's not a one size fits all recipe for success. However, I think um, the leadership portion of that being the the black men that we are, we need to be leaders in our families. That doesn't mean telling everybody what to do or this macho misinterpretation of what leadership is in, in our families. It just means that Working hard is a trait that we want to pass on. Loving our kids is a trait that we want to pass on, especially your daughters. You know, you want to make sure that they see, you know, what a, a man, you know, is supposed to be like. That which means taking care of your spouse, your wife, uh, making sure that she's well taken care of, and showing that example. Your son needs to see that. I mean, it's just imperative that these things need to be observed um, in your household. Is this is leadership traits that you need to have? Providing, and I, I heard three jobs. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, man. You know, you figured, hey, I've got to go get some more income in here, and you went and did that. That's excellent um, to get them what they needed and, and to provide for your family. Those are all things I get behind 100%. I think that are great, great things to show. Uh, some additional things I might put, I might add, would be uh, to make sure that the tools that your kids need, that they have them. Um, I, admit, I heard TVs and all that kind of stuff, but things we need to make sure our kids have to be successful are internet access, computers, um, cell phones. I mean, these things cost money. So we got to figure out how to make sure they have tools to be able to compete in society. Having a car so they can have transportation, have freedom to move around. These are all things as they get older, are gonna need to compete in society to be successful. And if you can provide them that in the loving environment and When I say that, that goes back to the first statements I was making, the relationship you have with your spouse, the relationship you have with your kids, you're not going to support everything they want. You're not going to get them everything they want. Quite frankly, sometimes my kids didn't like decisions I was making. That's fine. (laughs) But that's leadership. Everything you do is not going to be accepted, but it may be necessary so they can have the opportunity to, to be better off than you were where you are. So I think those are the things that I need. I wrote down some, uh, some notes here while, while, while the other brother was talking, but um, I think supporting their ideas because generations change is, is something that we all need to sit back and think about. What we did when we were younger may be totally different what is, than what's required for young folks today. And I, I see this in the workplace when young folks come for jobs, and the way they think and the way they act. And we need to be cognitive of generational change and society change, that things that are needed today may shift than things that were needed when we were kids. So everybody's different, every household's different, but I think that leadership in our family is needed and working with our spouse, very important because we're a team. My wife and I, 34 years married, we grew together and we made decisions together. We made financial decisions together. We made parenting decisions together. Uh, we didn't always agree on which direction to go, but we agreed to disagree but move forward to take action one way or the other, and we accepted that. I think that's important. That that example is uh, that was mentioned earlier of a good father, a good father-mother relationship, going to schools and supporting them in their schools and their activities that they want to do, I think all of that's important.
4: You know, every Sunday, I get drop knowledge, every Sunday. So, yeah, we really appreciate your time and, you know, the expertise you you, know, you provided. I know you're proud of your daughter. I'm proud of her. So, like Corey said, to have a, a young Black woman on TV like that every morning,
0: hey, that's a blessing right there. Go ahead, Corey. What were you about to say? My man, Edwin Randolph, who just spoke minutes ago, he's my lawyer. Any contracts I have? cut him a check, He reading it, giving me input. But, you know, the money that I have, there was a period where I was spending it absurdly because I had my mother. Got My mother was the first in my family to go to college. But I was the first to graduate and buy a house. Gotta keep it real. But my mom was the first. She went to Rasmus Hall in New York City and became a banker. So for me, a black male in my life was my AAU coach, my basketball coach. It was never someone in my household. So for the brothers listening who have kids from a single parent household where a father wasn't around, how do you advise them to get past the the mental instability of, well, I didn't have a father, so... Whatever mistakes I make it's not my fault. But as a grown man, those mistakes you make are your fault, regardless of who instituted them, regardless of your being. So I just want you to touch on that, Lou, because I'm like, man, we talking real talk right now. And, you know, you're giving such great information. But, you know, brothers like me, man, we didn't have a father in the house. The mom was the father. She was the mother. Like I was telling Rob, I was telling Crystal, Could you imagine that me and Corey Scott had your father? We'd probably be be astronauts or something. But go ahead, Mr. Lou.
1: Oh, great question,
0: Corey. Uh, I have a lot
1: of thoughts about this. Um, I never knew my father, but I don't use it as an excuse. So my advice is this. This comes into the realm of health to me, mental health specifically. And if you think that you may have some mental health issue that you need to work out, you need to seek professional help. So I'll start with that to begin with. One time having an excuse on something and then repeating the same excuse for every time something happens to you is a pattern. And that's a sign that you probably need to seek some help. Because in my view, we're all responsible, responsible for our own action. And the decisions we make can't be summed up, you know, when we have outcomes we dislike because of something that happened to me in the past. That's in the past. Don't forget it, but don't let it drive, you know, how you act now. It's a lesson. Everything that happens from that lesson on is based on decisions you make in the future. And I don't see any reason why you can't overcome any obstacle because you say you had a bad relationship with your father or you didn't have a father figure. There's plenty of opportunity to learn from other folks. This program, the reason I'm on this program, because I did research it. I talk to you, I'm adamant about helping communities achieve more and succeed. So that's very important. So there's there's programs and there's resources out there for people to seek help. This program being one, if folks aren't taking note of the lessons that are being taught each episode of Black Men's Sunday, then I'll tell those folks to look in the mirror because they're the problem. Because there's some real knowledge being dropped every week here. And if someone has an excuse of, again, over and over again, it's because of the father situation I had or the lack of father situation or the house I was brought up in. Please seek some help professionally because that really will help you get over that because you need to move forward and make decisions based on today and the opportunities you have now. We live in the richest country in the world. I cannot state enough that opportunities are endless and you can really do and be anything, but you have to believe that. And the only way to get past those talking I guess, in your head of excuse me, woe is me, I have this excuse is to seek some professional help, in my view. Other than that, learn what you need to learn, research what you need to research, build yourself up to be a competitor and the best candidate on what you want to do and achieve, whether it be a business or whether it be a candidate for a job, and go out there and get it because nobody's stopping you but you.
0: You're a management program analyst at NASA. I don't know any brothers in that position doing quality assurance, innovative problem solving, mission assurance. But you're a black man. This is not Houston. This is not Mr. Control. This is where the launches are taking off. This is where you can get fired if the launch doesn't go up. So, Mr. Moyer, as a black man, how do you, when you first got to NASA, because there wasn't too many of us in there. How did you get comfortable?
1: Well, first of all, I don't represent NASA on this show. So I'm going to say that right now, I'm representing my personal opinions of totally me. And I'll just talk about any place you work. There are folks who look like me and you that work in all industries. A lot of times we just don't see it. There's plenty of folks who look like me that work in my industry. Um, I don't view myself any different than the other person or man that I see sitting next to me, whatever nationality they are. And I think that's part of what I'm trying to tell you is get outside of thinking that way and start thinking about how do I achieve the goal of this job that I want to do or the goal of this business I want to be in and be as successful as possible. So if you prepare yourself through education, through experiences, uh, researching what you need to know and the tools you need to have to seat a certain position, you can get it, you can achieve it. I have a lot of friends who do a lot of things from politics to military, to uh, finance, business owners, and they're successful who look just like you and me. And most of them, I won't say all, because you know we have people who think a certain way, don't even ever think about, hey, I'm a black man doing this. What we think about is, I'm a man achieving goals to support my dream or what I believe the American dream is for me. And I have the opportunity to do that. And I'm gonna hit some obstacles because we all know they exist. I got it. This is Black Men Sunday. You guys know some of the realities I'm talking about. However, we can overcome those realities through our tenacious, and I'm going to use that word, drive to succeed in whatever we want to do. Persistence, continued learning, understand the industry that we want to be involved in, and then setting goals, milestones for checkpoints to say, how am I doing? And then step by step, getting to succeed in whatever you want to do whether it's being working where I'm working or working where you're working, Corey, which I think is a great industry, or you got some Esquires on here, you know, being lawyers. They can tell you all about drive, man. They had to pass the bar. They had to do all these things. You know, it's something inside you that you have to pull out. It's your responsibility to succeed and and get that thing that you need. And I think that's the key. That's the key to my success. I basically, I am tenacious about getting what I want. I'll do it. And it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but it's going to happen because I want to do it. And I'll go to school if I need to go to school. I'll join groups if I need to join groups. I'll study online. I'll learn technology. I'll do whatever it takes to achieve those goals. And that's what people need to really get inside them—that I like to call lion mentality. You know, you know, uh, in the in the jungle, the lion is the the king, right? That's right. That's what I'm talking about. And if you don't have that, you might be food, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better analogy. For me, I'd rather be the, the, the person out there trying to rule and, and and run things and achieve my goals. So that's what drives me. That's how I got where I'm at. That's how I've treated every position I've ever been in. I Just if I didn't know it, I learned it. Right. And if I learned it and I needed some experience, I took whatever job I can get to get the experience, work my way up from the bottom up. And then when I got to where I need to go, I always bring people with me. I'm always teaching, I'm always learning, I'm always teaching, I'm always learning. And I always stay relevant that way because that's very important too in any industry. Relevancy is uh, you can't stay stagnant. You gotta continually learn stuff. And the way to do that is teach, okay? Because when you're teaching, you're actually uh, honing your skill Right, internalizing it and being better at it because you got to teach the right thing. And you're also learning about new things because things change. And that's where bringing up people really matter. So that's the key, I believe. I'm trying to make it simple because I could talk a whole show on this too. But we have to have an internal drive to get what we want, and we got to do what we need to do to compete and get rid of all excuses because everybody has. It. I, I can name 20 excuses why I shouldn't be where I'm at, but I don't because I make decisions based on where I'm going, not where I've
2: been. I'm sorry, but it's amazing that, um, you know, I didn't realize how much stuff we took for granted until I started working with a kid from Uganda. He's over, um, he's actually in the National Engineering League, about to graduate, thank God. But, I mean, he's so humble in his approach. To everything is, you know, sir, thanks for the opportunity. What can I do better, sir? How can I help you out? And they just he's just really hungry, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's good to see that attitude, I think we have some American students that like that too, but he, like you said, countries are different. People are poor over in certain parts of the world, and when they get an opportunity, they take advantage of it. So we need so, to adopt more the attitude. I think
1: I, I'm going to probably make some folks a little uncomfortable. Yes, you mean he's not entitled? You mean he's not expecting something now? You know, I deserve it. It's mine. Help me out. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> no. Life is hard. We just need to get out there and prepare ourselves and work for what we need. It takes time to develop, especially depending on where you're starting, to develop where you want to get to. But if you stay persistent and continue to learn and work hard and bring your family along with you, you know, on the right same page, you'll succeed like anyone else.